going to be focusing uh, on a uh, passage of scripture, as I've already touched on with the kids a little bit, uh, relative to um, knowing who God is in our life as the potter, and uh, you know, that obviously reveals we're the clay. Uh, the uh, title, I don't always share titles and messages, you know that, but uh, I've got one today. But uh, just a reminder, a thought that I hope will just kind of stick with us through, uh, throughout the time together in the Word, and that is um, everything in our life is at the potter's discretion. Let's just remember that phrase. Whatever's going on in your life, it's at the, it's at the potter's discretion. And he can take that and make something with it, or he can start another, total another project if he needs to or desires to. And we need to keep that in our mindset, I think, as we walk with God daily. Because sometimes we, I don't know about you, but I do, sometimes I want to kind of take control. Anybody else ever have that problem in here? I want to kind of govern things the way I want them to be, you know, kind of manipulate things. Oh, we don't like to use that word, but that's the truth. We like to manipulate things to kind of fit the way we think it's supposed to. And many, many times in my life, and I would suggest it's possibly true in your life as well, we, um, we make a bigger mess than we do if we just left our hands off of it, right? Well, let's look at Isaiah chapter 29, verse 15 through 18, and we're going to look at a lot, of, a lot of verses of Scripture today, all of them relative to this concept, and hopefully allow the Holy Spirit to sink into us what that really means to us when we say the things that we obviously say we believe, but do we really make it our own everything's at the potter's discretion he's the potter on the clay so in in chapter 29 15 to 18 what are those who deeply hide their plans from the lord which think about that is that possible yeah do you think god knows that's impossible yeah so he's saying this for our sake <laughs> right what are those who think they can deeply hide their plans from the lord and those who are uh, whose deeds are done in a dark place, and they say, who sees us, or who knows us? Sometimes we think we can hide things from God, but we can't, right? So let's go on. You turn things around. Shall the potter be considered as equal with the clay? Have you ever thought about that phrase for a moment? That when you sometimes are usurping the potter's rights in your life as the clay... That you are, in essence, placing yourself at the same level as God. That's what that verse is telling you there. Shall the potter be considered as equal with the clay? Are you really on the level of God? Of course not. That, was, that what was made, that what is made should say to its maker, He did not make me. Eh, we got a lot of that going on in the world today. Or what does form say to him who formed it? He has no understanding. Sometimes people act as if God doesn't have a clue what's going on. I mean, listen, I don't want you to become a person that analyzes everything everybody prays. I don't do that. But sometimes in the midst of my praying and, and, and hearing prayer, I'll realize that there's a lot of informing God of things he doesn't know <laughs> which he really does know but a lot of that happens sometimes 
Is it not yet just a little while before Lebanon will be turned into a fertile field? What's that all about? And a fertile field will be considered as a forest? Yeah, you're going through a tough time right now. Things are going to change. That's a whole other message. We're not getting into that today. We've been talking about that along the way through this book. On that day, the deaf will hear words of a book. Out of their gloom and darkness, the eyes of the blind will see. So that last part is a little bit again about the hope that we're going to be seeing more about in the, as we go through the book of Isaiah. But I want us to focus in this morning on this whole idea of the role of the potter and the clay as we walk together. You know, this book of Isaiah is a really interesting book, as you know. There's so much here. I mean, many times it's been referred to as the mini Bible, just the book of Isaiah. You might wonder where that comes from. 66 books in the book of Isaiah. Does that sound familiar? 66 books in the Bible. 39 books in the Old Testament, right? Focusing on the hope of a coming Messiah, right? 39 books in Isaiah, first part of it, all about the promise to come. And then 27 books telling us how to live with the Messiah, 27 chapters at the end of Messiah, how it unfolds as the Messiah is going to work among humanity. So it's just a lot of similarities, you know. God doesn't do that stuff by accident, just in case you didn't know. I was just noticing this morning as we look at Isaiah 29, I'm going to reference here in a little while, Jeremiah 29. Guess what? Both of those chapters, 29, are about potter and clay stuff. You know, it's just interesting how God gives us all these little things that helps us kind of keep our mind connected on stuff seems almost impossible otherwise. The book of Isaiah is full of so many things that we, t we quote throughout our daily life and didn't even know maybe that it came from the book of Isaiah. For example, have you ever said th anything like this? Oh, that's just a drop in a bucket. Anybody ever said that? comes from Isaiah 40.15. Or, you know, we're going to gather these things from the four corners of the earth. Isaiah 11.12. Uh, 11, or how about... Uh, one of these days, we're going to see eye to eye. Yeah, I'll say it. Isaiah 52, 8. Or have you ever heard of a guy say, man, he's got his face set like flint. That's an old one. Some young people are like, what is that? <laughs> That's an old one. That's out of Isaiah 57, 50, verse 7. Or you ever heard this, the phrase, there's, there's no peace or no rest for the wicked? Isaiah 48, 22. All these things coming out of Isaiah. How about this? Rise and shine. Isaiah 60, verse 1. <laughs> or how about, woe is me. <laughs> we know that one, right? And that's out of Isaiah 6, verse 5. All these things, oh, there's more. I'm just giving you a few. But it's just so much of our world has in been, been influenced by the Word of God, obviously, but even specifically by the book of Isaiah, and a lot of people are just not even aware of it. So much is going on in our world today as influenced by the Word of God, and people don't know it because really people, by and large, are not very familiar with the Word of God. And that's just the facts, if we get honest with it. I mean, here's one of the reasons. It takes a long time and a lot of effort to become familiar with the Word of God. I mean, you have to give yourself to that. It's not a read it one time and you got it all. Anybody realize that yet? I mean, I've been reading it every day since even before 1979 when I gave my heart to the Lord because I was trying to figure it out. <laughs> and still, to this day, I, there's a lot of it I don't know, and I find that out every day. 
So as we dive into it, though, we find out that there's so much there for life for us. And the things that we need to know in life, we're given that. I'm going to go through about five things this morning. You say, oh, no. Three points in the poem's long enough, Brother Chris. Don't worry, we're going to fly through them a little bit today. But at the same time, be able to get a hold of them. But we're going to look at, at the potter and the fact that he has a plan. You know, most people don't sit down at a potter's wheel to make something without any intention of coming out with something. <laughs> you know, there's a plan to make. Now, they might, not make, they might not make their mind up until the middle of it sometimes. But before it's all done, they, they have made something they intended to make. Sometimes, second thing we're going to think about is sometimes a potter has, has to start all over or rework the clay. Don't you think about that. Now, most of what I've learned, by the way, Abby may not have known this. When I was in, in college, I actually learned how to make some pottery. Did the whole footwheel thing, all that stuff. I tore up a few things, you know, but <laughs> made a few things. But I never did get good at it. Abby can do it. I'm just telling you. I'm bragging on my daughter. I know that. But facts are facts. She can make some stuff. <laughs> so now I'm not saying she's the best in the world, but I probably think so. But at any rate, you know, <laughs> People can get very talented at doing that. It's an amazing thing. Uh, but, you know, I've come to learn in my own experience, and even watching Abby at times, sometimes Potter has to start all over and rework the clay. Just let that sink in a little bit. Ever had that happen with you and God? <laughs> or how about this? It, it's not the job of the clay to direct the Potter. You want to get a little bit off your plate today? You feel a little bit overloaded? Just get rid of that responsibility. It's not the job of the clay to direct the potter. God does not need your help with that. Okay? Or how about this? The potter has different uses for every item he makes. None of those pieces up there look the same. Some of them are similar, but no two are identical. As a matter of fact, you're going to have to get into a factory before you get stuff that are actually identical. A potter that makes something on the potter's wheel, if it was to be finely inspected with a microphone, you know, one of those things you can see real good with. If that, <laughs> that's it. If that was to be done, even though they tried to make them exactly the same, you would find out they can't possibly be exactly the same. Because of the way the hand hits the mud and because of the way it turns. And there might be one slight, even though they might look identical to you and I, if you was to really deeply investigate it, you'd find out they're not the same. Potter makes everything different. Oh, oh don't forget this. We'll wrap up with this today. The potter always has the final word on what the clay is going to be. Always, even when you think you have the final word. <laughs> the potter always has the final word. Well, let's go back to that first idea, and we're going to look at some scriptures that relate to a lot of this stuff. The potter has a plan. You know, Isaiah had been trying to talk to the people of Israel throughout the whole prophecy that he's giving about what God's up to in their midst and things that are going to happen. They didn't like the message. Would you have liked the message? I mean, he's telling them, you're about to go through some oppression. Great message, right? <laughs> What a great, you know how to win friends and influence people? Preach the sermon of Isaiah to your people. No, 
Jeremiah had it even worse. I mean, you know, they, they weren't very popular because they're telling the people, you're about to go through some suffering. Oh, and the people knew better, right? I mean, you see that throughout the book. And they're debating Isaiah somewhat with it. No, this is going to happen, Isaiah's telling them. And so this is the message that God was presenting through Isaiah to them. I have a plan that's going on here. Last week, I don't know if you realized that last week we hit a, a big issue in that, which was that God wanted to get this, this floating worship of other idols and chasing other gods from other foreign countries. He wanted to get that rooted out of them. And that's finally what happened after the Babylonian captivity. Not that the whole country never messed up again, but as a whole, the nation didn't chase foreign idols and gods anymore. Well, that, that was a great thing that got accomplished, right? But it wasn't necessarily the thing they were excited about having happen. God has a plan, and God's got a plan in your life. He's got a plan in my life, too. God wants to put together certain things in our life to bring to pass what his ultimate conclusion for you and I are, which we don't always know, do we? Now, I understand as we look at the, the um, theological viewpoint of Scripture relative to us in eternity, we're complete. I mean, if you look at it from an eternal perspective, we're complete. That's what the Scripture says. You are what in him? You are complete in him. So the work of Christ is done in the person that's given their heart to Christ for eternity, they are complete. But I, I, you know, I miss Peter Lord. Some of y'all know who I'm referring to, but he had so many cool sayings. And one of them was, we live in the nasty now and now. <laughs> and in this world that we walk in, God has a goal and a plan for our life. And it's to conform us to the image of Jesus as we live out a testimony today in the world that we walk in. So that as people see us, they see Jesus in us. And so that's, that's part of his total plan that's going on, and he's working. So he's working and molding in us to get us to the place that that testimony can be what it ought to be. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14 reminds us real clearly about this whole issue. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. He does know, even if you think he don't. Plans for welfare, not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Think about this verse in the midst of when it's given. Jeremiah is a, a pretty close contemporary to Isaiah. And in this context, not the same exact time, but in this context, he's saying to the people, yeah, it's looking gloomy right now. I got a plan going on through this. I'm just trying to hope that you get a little hope this morning <laughs> out of what's going on in your life. And if you're a person who's given your heart to Christ and you love him and you want to walk with him according to his purpose, and by the way, that's how Romans 8, 28 works, that you are his and that you're called according to his purpose, then you can know God's in the process of working out a plan. And he's doing something that you might not have a good handle on, but he does. He has a great handle on it. So then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me, and when you search for me, and when you search for me with all your heart. Wow. You know, I, I, I could dwell on that last verse for a while. Because we are really prone to not want to do much with all of our heart these days. Oh, unless it's something we like. But God would have us to have a heart that likes to search him <laughs> with all of our heart.
to long for him in relationship. Let's go on. I'll be found by you, declares the Lord. I'll restore you, re, excuse me, restore your fortunes. I'll gather you from all the nations, from all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord. I will bring you back to the place from where I sent you into exile. There is going to be a returning time, guys. I got a plan in all this. It's going to be okay. And sometimes when you feel like you're in exile, in exile in this life, you've got to remember if you're the Lord's, he's working a plan in you. A lot of that, listen, a lot of that and how that goes is going to be, in, uh, going to be relative to how you're responding to him. We're going to talk about that in just a second. One of the points I mentioned early directly about all that. Let me just throw a thought to you. I was thinking about this the other day. And some of these thoughts come together as I've watched Abby do some, some clay work before. I walked through the, uh, the room the other day. She, she made this beautiful teapot. I was going to put these pictures up and I forgot, but she decided to try to make a regular teapot. Man, it turned out really cool, if I say so myself. And uh, <laughs> at any rate, it, it, as she was working on it, I, I first went through the room, and she had this lump of clay on the wheel and working it, and it was a cone about this tall. She'd done like that. As I'm walking through, she's just doing like that with the clown. What are you making? Making a teapot. Don't look like a teapot to me. <laughs> you know, there's a cone of mud about this tall. <laughs> you know, just from bottom to top. And I'm thinking, what in the world is going on? If you're going to make a teapot out of that, you need some education here about what a teapot looks like. <laughs> but there was so much going on there that was necessary to get to the teapot because sometimes that clay has to be worked a bit you know but here I am as a bystander if somebody was to ask me what's Abby making right there I would have said well some kind of a tired babble or something I don't know some kind of cone that's going on there you know I'm a bystander looking on acting as if I might know what's going to happen with this lump of clay and the reality is this I don't have a clue I don't have her vision. She's in charge on that clump of clay. Now, wrap that in your mind as it relates to you and your relationship with the Lord. And as you're looking around your life and you're thinking your, your lump of clay looks like the Tire of Babel and God doesn't know what's going on. God, I thought it was supposed to be a teapot. You know, you're just a bystander. You don't really get it. Don't act like you do. Just realize God's up to something. And here comes that best part. We love this part of the sermon, right? Have a little patience. Oh, no. Let's don't get talking about that stuff. Because none of us seem to have a huge supply of that, it seems. Let me give you a piece of advice. Because you're going to have bystanders in your life. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You're going to have some bystanders in your life telling you about what they think God's up to in your life or what they think might be missing in your life, or where God might be messing up in your life, and creating doubt. The enemy is definitely a bystander of the pottery wheel. He is not the potter. He's a bystander, and so he then becomes what? An accuser of the brethren, and trying to start messing your mind up, and creating some kind of doubt between you and the potter as the lump of clay, and begin to say to the potter, Hey God, why don't you do this or do that or do this, because this ain't shaping up the way it ought to be. You got no business doing that. 
And that all came from the bystander trying to influence you. Now we're back to why we really need to know the Word of God, right? So we can recognize when the bystanders are throwing junk at our life that just doesn't really fit with the potter's plan. So here we are thinking about this issue. How about, how about Ephesians 2.10 as it goes along with this? For we are our own workmanship. Can somebody say, no, it doesn't say that? <laughs> we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for purpose to make you happy so that you can smile the rest of your life. For good works. He wants to use us. He has a reason for making us. Which God prepared beforehand. Now, there's a whole other sermon there, right? About the sovereignty of God and the hand of God at work. Beforehand so that we would walk in them. And be useful to him. Now, that's, that's, that's number one. He's the potter, you're not. And the potter has a plan for you. Sometimes problems with the clay forces the potter to rework the clay a little bit. You ever realize that? That's true, isn't it, Abby? You correct me if I mess up pottery lesson here, okay? You correct me. But my observation is that sometimes problems with the clay can cause the potter to have to do things a little differently in order to get the clay to be what it needs to be. For example, let's say, let's say it was the clay out of our land. And as they've got this lump of clay and they're getting it ready, I watched Abby Namus dig up some of this stuff one time. I don't know what happened after that. I kind of left them alone. But <laughs> they were making some clay out of the, out of the dirt on our, our ground. I'm guessing probably some little pieces of rock in there, here and there. Maybe pieces of petrified wood or drying up wood or you know whatever and you go to using that on the pottery wheel that ain't a good thing you're not getting any smooth lines when you do that are you Abby no no it ain't gonna come out the way you hope you know I, I, I've actually experienced that I mean I worked with a piece of clay one time that had a little bit of a grit or something in it every time I'd hit that two or three things would happen one it hurt my hand <laughs> That was one thing it did. Another thing is that it would every time mess up what that thing I was trying to do. If I was trying to smooth something out, then I would hit that and it, you know, kind of messes things up. You know, well, what's that all relative to? I mean, there's all kinds of things that we can think about in Scripture for sure. But let me just say this. The condition of the clay in the working of the potter on the clay is a big deal. And the condition of your life and God working with you is a big deal. And the number one thing he has to do to get us as a lump of clay to be in the right place is to get rid of the impurities in our life. And the only way that was going to be done was by him getting it done for us through Jesus Christ. And so that's the whole message of the gospel. Is to get all that crud out of the clay so that it wouldn't mess up his plan. But you know what I have found out? Sometimes, even people who have given their hearts to Christ and have been cleansed and purified by the Father, the potter, sometimes we live in a life that, that we choose to welcome a pebble back into the lump of clay. 
or a piece of broken stick or a bad attitude or a sinful nature against someone or a critical word that wasn't appropriate or a sinful activity in our life that wasn't supposed to be there. You know, we can go on and on, right? And in the process of that, we're creating a mess in the clay again. Not so much so that God can't use us. Not so much so that God can't make anything with us. He settled all that in Christ Jesus. He's going to do something with us. But what he does with us a lot of times has to do with how we're responding to his work on us and in us. And so the condition of the clay is a big deal. Sometimes that junk creates a mess. Sometimes that clay gets a little, a little uh, hardened, you know. I've seen clay before that have dried out. Matter of fact, it's so funny. Last night I'm asking Abby, I said, hey, I'm going to take this bag of clay up as an illustration so I can show the kids and this little lump. And, and she says, yeah, well, just take one of the smaller bags and, and, and says, just make sure that, you know, it, it doesn't get too dried out. That's why that knot's in that bag. <laughs> Make sure it doesn't get dry out. Well, why is that? Because when it gets dried out, guess what? It's hard. You can't squeeze it like that. You know, it gets to a place that it's not useful anymore. And, and so now you can't make what you wanted to make with it. We're going to talk about that in just a second. <laughs> and as a result, it's a difficult thing. Now, can the potter still do something? Yeah, they add some water to it. Do some things that are necessary to get it pliable again. But do you think that that on a human scale, it's going to always be very enjoyable? Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes clay can get too wet. And you can be on the other end of things, you know. You ever heard, you ever heard this phrase? That person's so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. I mean, sometimes we can get so, you know, wrapped up in our own world thinking that we're doing good for God that we've actually messed up things for God and that we're not even willing. I mean, uh, Christians have done this so much in our world today. We get our little Christian camps and then we don't choose to in any way influence the world outside of us. That too is a messed up lump of clay. That we will somehow be at a place that God can use us and work through us is where we need to be. Conditioning the clay is a big deal. It can be difficult and sometimes have to be reworked. Jeremiah had a, had a passage dealing with that. I don't know if I got that verse. Maybe I'll get to it here in a minute. I think I do. Hang on, yeah. Let's go to Jeremiah 18, 1 through 5. I may be out of line here on scriptures. The word came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying... Arise, go down to the potter's house, and there you, I will announce my words to you. Went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something on the wheel. But the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the hand of the potter. Why? Why? I mean, certainly as it relates to God, it's not because the potter made a mistake. <laughs> you got that, right? You can't carry that part of the analogy over because God's perfect in every way. So what would have caused it to be spoiled? Something in the clay. And as a result, he had, so he remade it into another vessel. That's the grace of God. <laughs> Let me just tell you this. Maybe you find out today you got some impurities in your clay, and you know it if you're honest with God. There's some things going on that you know is not the best for God to be working with you as a lump of clay. And you realize it, and God speaks to your heart in this moment and says, Hey, that's messing up 
you on the pottery wheel for me. Here's the grace of God. God, would you forgive me? Oh yeah, I've already done that in Christ Jesus. God, I'm calling sin what you call sin. I'm going to repent and turn away from it. Can you still somehow make something out of me that would be useful to you? And God, you know what God's response is? This is the way Chris Reber says it. <laughs> Not a problem. I can do that. And then he starts redoing it. He starts remolding you. Starts making you again what he would like to make out of you to be useful to him. That's the capability of our potter. Don't ever think, don't ever let the enemy lie to you and tell you it's too late for me. God can't use me anymore. There's no way that God can do something with this lump of clay. My day's gone or my day will never get here because of what I've been through. None of that's true. In Christ Jesus, God can do something wonderful in you. It's just a matter of whether you're willing to be still on the pottery wheel and let him do what he can do. Look at verse 5 of this section. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Can I not, O house of Israel, deal with you as the potter does, declares the Lord? Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. And my God, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, can certainly do the same for you and work in you all the disaster. Let's go to that third thought. Here's where we find trouble in this whole process of God working in our life. We've got to remember this crucial issue. It is not the job of the clay to instruct or direct the potter. We have got to learn what that really means in our life. And we, we would all think, I think, quickly say, Oh yeah, amen brother, we know that's true. trying to tell the potter what he really needs to be doing with the clay so let's get this attitude settled in our hearts God you're the potter I'm the clay and let's go this far I got no business trying to tell you what you need to do in my life now, I'm going to challenge you something this might mess up your praying. I'm going to challenge you. When you pray, don't go telling God what he needs to do 
in your life. Pray everything you can in agreement with the word, with what he's already said he wants to do in your life. But don't go telling God, God, you need to do this, 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 and this. You know, I was, I was meeting with somebody here a few weeks ago. And if this is just a southern thing, what I'm about to say, some people have southern ways of talking, and I get that, but inside of me, it just kind of does one of these things. Do you ever have those things happen when somebody says stuff? And, and they're talking about the Lord and talking about praying, and, and they said, and I told the Lord, and I went, ooh, I don't do that, man. I don't talk that way to God. I don't told the Lord anything, you know? And I know that's not the way they meant it, but a lot of times that's being done. And a lot of times people are, are going to the Lord in their relationship with him. And instead of going and asking for God's will to be done in their life or agreeing with the word of God's picture of what their life ought to be or applying the scripture's pr promise and principle to the life that God has in them, they go to God and they try to tell God what he needs to do for them in their life because this is the way they want it. And many times it's the way they want it irrespective of what he wants. You know what he wants is first, he's the potter. We're the clay. So I just want to challenge you. Think about that in your prayer life when you're praying. God, is anything I'm about to ask or is anything I'm asking right now somehow contradictory to what you want? If it is, I want to back off and say, I, the clay, have no business telling you, the potter, what you need to be doing. Well, that's essentially what God said in the context of what we started out with in this chapter 29 of Isaiah. Where God said to the people in verse 16 of chapter 29, you turn things around. Boys, you got it backwards. Shall the potter be considered as equal with the clay? That what is made would say to the maker, he did not make me. Well, that's really a mess when you think about the world as a whole because that's where the world lives today. Or what is formed, say to him who formed it, he has no understanding. God, you just don't understand, God. Now listen, you would never say that that way probably to God. I'm just telling you, that happens all the time. God, if you just understood what I was going through, oh, well, thanks for informing me. <laughs> Can you imagine what God thinks about sometimes when he sees the way we respond to him as if, as if we're, you know, bringing him up to speed on things? I don't know. Romans 9.20 says this in verse 21. On the contrary, who are you, O man, who answers back to God? The thing molded will not say to the molder, why did you make me like this, will it? Oh, my goodness, now we're messing up. I mean, if we get honest... How many people go to God and say, God, this is not the way I want to be. You need to fix this. won't say it that way, but that's what we're saying. Sometimes informing God that he made a mistake with me. Oh, really? Did he? This is different than the person who, who is making those mistakes and blaming God for it, okay? That's a whole other sermon, all right? But I mean the person who tends to go to God and, and act as if God messed up. And making them the way they are, and he needs to get this thing fixed. Why did you make me like this? Well, maybe because he wanted you to look like this instead of looking like this. 
And he's got every right to do that. And really, when this gets the idea that it's not this, it can be used a lot more enjoyably for a lot of things this can never do. And if we can get that thing settled in our life, that it's okay that we don't have to go and tell God, you messed up on me, but instead we can go and say, God, this is who you made, and it's yours. You're the potter, I'm the clay, and I'm, I'm who you made me to be. Now here's the deal. I want to be useful to you. <laughs> so however you want to use me, that's great, because I know you made me the way I am. Instead of going to God and say, well, whenever you get these things fixed in me that I think you need to fix, then I'm going to be useful to you. You just fell in the devil's trap because now you're of no use. And that's what he wants. So let's remind, remind ourselves again, the clay has no business telling the potter what he needs to do with it or trying to direct the potter. You know, there's an old song we used to sing in the old Baptist churches. Some of y'all may have already thought about it. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Think about it again. Thou art the potter, I'm the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will while I'm waiting. Here we go again. Gone, gone to meddling. While I'm waiting, yielded. How about that? Another sermon. <laughs> are you yielded? Are you yielded? Really? Are you? And are you the next part? Yielded and still? Am I willing to be still and wait and let God do what he wants to do in my life? I mean, I'm, I'm yielded and still. Have thine own way. Hold my being in absolute, away from absolute sway. Hold over my being absolute sway, excuse me. Filled with your spirit till all can see. There's your testimony. You say, well, this is not the Bible, Brother Chris. Oh, it's all in the Bible, I promise you. <laughs> okay, it's a great old hymn. Christ only always living in me. I got two more points. Oh, I'm going to be in good shape. So here's two more quick points. Number four, the potter has different uses for different vessels. That seems so basic. If we really get that, why do we get so bent out of shape when we see God working through one person differently than he works through another? Why do we sometimes act like if we were going to really be useful to the potter, he would have to be using us just like this? Listen, did you, I'm going to shock you. Did you know preachers are people too? Did anybody ever tell you that? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm from all that history of being a preacher, right? And I know those attacks of the enemy of, of when the enemy tries to tell me, this is what's supposed to be happening in your life and what you're supposed to be doing as a preacher for you to really be useful to, the, to God. And over here, I might have it going on this way. Totally different things happening, and God's going through, uh, working through my life in different ways. But I've been told and trained, this is when you're a good vessel. And this is when you're not such a great vessel. And who gets to make that call? Not me. I'm the clay. The potter gets to make that call. And we forget that. The potter has 
different uses for different vessels. That's just the way it is. I mean, you see it over here, right? They're not all the same. All of these even look similar, but they're not exactly the same. They're different, you know? Well, I won't go too much. That's pretty cool stuff. There's some, listen, there was a, there's another whole point that I, I need to make here that's really important. Sometimes we think that we're finished. God's got this clay all worked out and it's done and, and now he's going to use me this, that way or the other. I get to kind of tell him what it is and, and we don't realize God's still at work at us. And we say this old thing comes out of history, you know, God not finished with me yet. He's still working on me. we got a whole song about it, right? But then we forget that that's really true. So let me illustrate it. I go in this room. That we've, got a, we've got a room in our barn. And uh, when I got done building the house years ago, I had a room that I made all my tools in. And then uh, I ended up eventually wanting to bless Abby one day. I'm on gub deals. I like to play with you know, auctions and stuff, and I find this kiln, and I buy this kiln, and I bring it home, and I set it up, because I knew Abby was liking to get into clay stuff. Then I found a pottery wheel, and so we got this room now. It's like a 12 by 12 room where she does all this pottery stuff. Well, one day I'm walking in there, and man, there's this cool-looking cup. I thought, man, that is really cool. It's got, it's kind of big like the green one there, but it's got, it's got feet at the bottom of it. I mean, sculpted little feet. And it's got this little handle on it that kind of was shaped. In, I don't remember what it, was, what it was shaped like, but it had some kind of shape to it as well. And it's sitting up on the shelf, you know. And it was totally complete, man. It looked like totally finished. It was sharp. I, I want to see this. I'm, you know, I pick it up. I'm not smart enough to be careful to know that you can break things, so I'm being real careful. I run up and grab it, and I get ready to set it down. Before I can get to the counter to set it down, the handle breaks off. I promise. All I did. Abby, I promise. All I did. It's on the shelf. I pick it up. I'm being careful right here like this. Until I get to here, I let go. And it goes. And it breaks. Totally messed up her. Now, I've been educated since then not to touch anything. Don't worry. <laughs> and I have not. <laughs> What was the problem? The problem was I thought it was finished, and it wasn't. There's a key very, uh, uh, phase in, in uh, modeling clay work, molding clay work. And that, that thing's called being fired. And that being fired is kind of being where you put under pressure. And that, that clay thing has to be carefully set after it's fully dry by air. And it was. This thing was fully dry by air. I mean, there wasn't a drop of moisture on it. But it was as brittle and delicate as it could possibly be. And I didn't know that. Now, when it's in that stage, the potter knows that has to be carefully placed in a kiln. And then the heat's going to get turned up big time. And when the heat gets turned up, it gets fired when it gets fired, then it gets hardened. Then when it gets hardened, then you can actually hold it by the handle and it's okay. <laughs> it ain't done yet. We'll come back to that. But it's way more done than it was. <laughs> you can actually hold it then. And sometimes we forget that God's in a process. As long as we're breathing, we're still in the process. I mean, in terms of humanity is what I'm talking about. 
And we're still being conformed to the image of Christ. And we need to never lose sight of that. That God's in process of still working on us. And as we lo- if we lose sight of that, we're going to get in his way. But as he gets us to that place that he kind of fires us, you know, gets us to that place that we're kind of close to, I don't want to say close to completion, because I don't know how that really looks yet, but I, I, do, I do know that he's got me further along than I was, and he's able to start doing things through my life. i got to keep in mind in that context even there, that it's still the potter's choice on how I get used. It's not my choice. So that wonderful mug that I was telling you about, Abby saved it all except for the handle. She, she did some doctoring. It's been fired. And it's a great coffee mug, isn't it, Abby? It's not. What is it? What? Amen. <laughs> but as the potter, she gets to make that choice, right? I thought it would have been the coolest coffee mug in the world. That's just me. <laughs> Romans 9, 20 and 21 again. On contrary, who are you, O man, who answers back to God? The thing molded will not say to the molder, why did you make me like this, will it? Or does the potter have a right over the clay to make from the same lump one vessel to honor, another to common use? In this context, he's saying both are equally valuable. One just gets used for one thing. One gets you for another, and that's quite all right. There's a whole other issue relative to whether a vessel can be useful and to honor based on the contaminants in its life, and that we all want to be useful and to honor to the glory of the Lord. To some degree, that's what I'm talking about. God desires all of us to be useful to honor. Look at 2 Timothy 2, 20 and 21. Now, in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and earthenware, and some to honor, some to dishonor. Hmm. Now therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel to honor. You want to be the best vessel you can be, that's what you get to focus on right there. Not what kind of vessel you're supposed to be, not whether you think you're done or not, not whether you think the potter messed up on you or not, All you get to focus on and the best thing you can possibly focus on is making sure I'm being honest about the contaminants in my life. I'm being careful that I keep my place in a usable place. God, I want to walk sanctified, useful to the master unto every good work. You heard that before? Every Sunday before you leave, usually in a prayer you hear that. Finally, The potter, this is going to go quick, reiterated it the whole time, but just to want you to go with this reminder, the potter has the final word. Period. End of discussion. Do you really believe that? Now, let's kind of do a scan of your life for a second. Right where you are right now, do you really believe that? The potter has the final word into discussion. For we are whose workmanship? His workmanship. Prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. You may have a lot of finishing touches to go, by the way. Because even after you've been fired, sometimes the potter decides, I want to pretty you up a little bit. 
That's called the glazing process for you uh, pottery people. Where the painting kind of happens. And, and initially, you know what? I got shocked here recently. I know you just have to know this real quick, so I'll tell you. But when they're glazing stuff, I thought it kind of went on shiny. How many of y'all thought that? When you paint, painted the thing at the end, the mud, you know, you got the clay jar, and then they glaze it. And when they're glazing it, it looks shiny when they're done. I mean, I thought that. It doesn't. It's dull looking. But then when the, the, the dull looking glazing gets put in the fire, then it comes out shiny like that. I thought that was kind of cool to learn, especially as I thought about this whole process with when we stand face to face with Jesus. In this process right now, you know, our finishes may look a little different than they ought to. God's in the process of beautifying us, okay? And he's going to use us in the way that honors himself the most. And we need to understand that too as a process. But God knows what he's doing. He has the final word, and we'll close with this verse. I'm confident. Look at Philippians 1.6. I want you to think about this as you leave today. I'm confident of this very thing. He who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Man, how much did God love you that he would go through this kind of painstaking process in order to be a blessing in your life and for you to be useful to him and you to experience him at work in your life. He's a great potter. He makes no mistakes. He never drops a handle because it's not done. I mean, he knows the process beginning to end. Praise his holy name. Let's pray together.